0: Welcome back to the Recovery Lifestyle Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about relational discipleship. What happens outside of the church when we meet in person? Today, we're honored to have Pastor Pat on as a guest. He's the founder and senior pastor of Hope Crossing Community Church. I'm joined here in studio by my co-host, John. Pastor Pat, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So... I mean let's let's start out with what is relational discipleship, what are some strategies that you're building around gathering outside of the traditional church setting?
1: Well I think the the issue that we're trying to overcome, if you will, is the fact that for so long we believe discipling is done programmatically or in a process attached to to corporate church, uh, maybe in a Sunday school or a meeting after the fact, which are all well and good, and they work extremely well. Um, COVID brought us into a whole new paradigm, a whole new perspective on how we can and are able to do church, and also how we can't do some of the things we've always been doing. So I'm looking at the, the possibility of trying to build a strategy where we are meeting outside of a formal... Um, Program, if you will, that's just getting together. That's real. That's relational. That we care. And size doesn't matter. Um, It will be more than likely separated, so it's not. um, It won't be just gender specific, but probably season specific. But just to work on on growing together, there's mm. no better way to disciple, natural way to disciple, than just getting together. You know, Matthew eighteen twenty, when Jesus said, "When two or three gather my name, I'm there with you. I'm in, I'm present." I think we're missing it. I think we're or we're somehow thinking that discipling is about a program, and if I finish it, and if I do this and follow these things, then I'm a disciple. And I just think those are qualified finishers of, of programs, and not disciples that are discipling.
2: It's, it's it's a never-ending process right? right I mean and, and I would say like within the recovery lifestyle paradigm we would put that in the meetings bucket right we have meetings church uh, Bible reading and service as the, the tenets of of the recovery lifestyle and to me it sounds like what you're articulating is meetings now our meetings are very um, I don't want to say issue specific, but they're more recovery and addiction specific, which has multiple issues. Uh, although like when pastor Jeff was here, he talked about we all have, we all need recovery from ourselves and from sin, right?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
2: so, so are there, do you see some parallels in those meetings? This is these are meetings you're talking about outside of church. Correct.
1: Yeah. And and actually John you and I have talked about this and the process of uh, you know being specific or intentional about a meeting we we don't need more time away from, you know, another meeting in our life. I mean, no one needs to add more to their schedules. We're overbooked, we're overworked, we're overscheduled. It doesn't make sense. So this has to be a way that's done within already existing schedules. So something you're already doing, bring someone alongside of you, get together. And and you know, we've talked about the idea of of life recovery, and I understand, and I'm super, um, I don't want to say into, but I, I love recovery lifestyle. I think that when you, when you become and get it, it's part of, of who you are, your DNA, that this is what we do. It, it, that's when healing, you know, starts to make, you know, complete circles. And when I talk about recovery and lifestyle recovery, I think we all need it. You said it. Yeah. Everyone needs to recover from sin. I think the big issue at the root of all addictions, all problems, all hang-ups, all habits, it's pride. And if we can find a way to 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 relationally disciple and work around and work with and inside the paradigms of overcoming pride issues, I think it would just it works hand in hand.
2: So so if this isn't another meeting, how does this plug in? Uh, And and I think I know the answer, but um, maybe you could explain it. So so basically, is these alternate weeks that we're not meeting as a church is when we would have these. Relational discipleship meetings?
1: I'd say the answer would be both and. Yeah. Because, right, we we broadcast, and, and for the for our oh, church, we lost our a building when COVID hit. Yeah. We used to be in a school. The school district locked us out. So we immediately went to what everyone else did. We just went online. And then after everyone started coming out of it, the school district wouldn't allow us back in. So we decided, hey, we're California, median 70 degrees. We're going to hang out in the park. And we have in the last two years maybe had one rain out yeah. so wow. it's been phenomenal and we've been, we met every every week for the first almost year and year and a half or so in the last nine months we've been meeting um once a month and i do that we do the rest remotely online which people are used to anyway mm-hmm. so this would be the would be in between but it's the, not a um we can't create a new schedule like I'm going to carve out one night at this time to do it. Yeah. I think we got to find something that we're already doing and whether it's a coffee, whether it's a lunchtime, whether it's you know, even in my office and I I just pull away for an hour. Whatever I inside my existing schedule and at that moment and the reason or the the process would be just to find someone else and start with just one person. Mm. And I think we we get the idea of, of group study it's it's all about um, it can become all about more the merrier. We got to get more. We want to help more, and that's true. But but I don't think we're we're effectively discipling without being just one on one, and then one on one plus one, and one on one plus one. I mean, it's the old hair, you know, commercial. I told two friends, and they told <laughs> and two friends, and so on, and so on. Right.
2: You know what? Maybe we should back up for a second too. And and can you talk a little bit about what it means to be a disciple and what discipleship is really? sort of a definition, because that's probably something that's a little blurry for a lot of listeners.
1: I think it's a great, great question. A disciple is a learner. Mm. And we're talking about a learner of of the person of Jesus. And when a disciple of Jesus wants to to learn not just about him, not be able to quote scripture, it's it's not a disciple. Disciple is someone who is taking on the, the the essence of who Jesus was and how Jesus lived and trying to emulate that in today's world. And it's, it's a physical impossibility with, without the power of the Holy Spirit. But in and of itself, just the process of discipling is just learning and it's growing. And it's, it's, you know, I, I would want to consider myself a lifelong learner. It's, it's a never ending process. I, I don't expect until I hear and I prayerfully want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, mm. that I'll be done learning what all I can on my own at that point
2: so so it's trying to become more like Jesus right
1: Even it's so a simple yeah absolutely yeah without being over you know without being too churchy Right, and using yeah. that because it's all I'm gonna be like, you know, mini Jesus and all that. All those—that's piousness to act yeah. like, like, oh, I'm just like. At the same time, I think if you are like him, you're not talking like you're being like him. You're well, there's to...
2: one thing for sure: we know Jesus wasn't churchy. Yeah, <laughs> like he was so
1: radical for his
2: time, right? And maybe even still today.
0: You know what this is making me think of is that you know we we cover the twelve steps and the eight principles of recover of celebrate recovery here quite often. steps one through eleven recovery principles one through seven are all about me healing the the individual and the relationships in my life that are causing me strain. But then step twelve principle eight is no longer about me. It's to take what I've learned this spiritual awakening to share this good news with others. Like the recovery lifestyle is incomplete without service. It's incomplete Mm -hmm. without other people. I think what Pastor Pat is saying is that this is not a destination. Life recovery is not a destination. It's a continuous lifestyle change, which is where you get to feel the full cycle of the recovery, the full cycle of what God wants to do in your life. You said you, you lost your building when COVID hit. You're meeting monthly and supplementing that with additional times online. You talked about what a disciple is, which is really a lifelong learner of Jesus, not necessarily uh, rote learning like memorizing Bible verses, but character development. And can we truly work on character development in a silo Mm. alone? I don't, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, then, only you would be the judge of that. So you know, you I would, give myself an A plus yeah, in time. life. Yes, every time. And, and it's, so, how do you get people together in this new system of doing things? I think we just have to find you know, it, if if it's not about trying to gather a bunch of people in a certain place at a certain time, then it's it's where you are. It's right where you are and finding someone and just just meeting where they are. Mm-hmm. And starting from there, I think recovery does such an amazing job of, of breaking. You have to get to the place of going, yeah, I, I know I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I got to be brutally honest. I have to be open. I have to be willing. All the things that, that re- is a requirement of a disciple. Mm-hmm. But the church shies away from that kind of language. It, it wants people to be comfortable. It wants them to feel like they're getting something. And we switched, you know, years and years ago to this, um, Attraction model that the more we have as a church, the more people we can get, the more we'll have, the more we can do. And I don't believe discipling is about doing. It's about becoming, and the byproduct of becoming becomes doing.
0: Hmm. The byproduct. I gotta say that again. Yeah, (laughs) please. (laughs)
1: That
0: was
2: good.
1: I just, I think that we're, we're so set on, on destination and, and accomplishment that we're not, we're not, we're not moving along the process. The byproduct we want to become like, and and it's not about doing something. It's it's I've I've checked off the number of meetings. I've completed my steps. All of that, and and you guys are so familiar. You you once you go through, you go back. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's it's, there's no finish line, and Mm -hmm. that's the that's the thing that I think is so honest about recovery that we oftentimes. Outside of recovery, in Christian circles, things, well, think and say things like, look what I've done, look how much I've accomplished, and look what a great disciple or Christian I am, I am or am becoming. And that's 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 missing the mark. Mm. I think that once we become more of a disciple, we start to act out that which we are becoming, and that's the evidence or what the Scripture describes mm-hmm. as fruit.
2: Yeah. This is like faith without works is dead.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And because I think that can be misconstrued as to I need to earn my salvation, which we all know that that's not true. Right. But it's because of my salvation, I want to do good works. And that's what you're saying. The byproduct of becoming is doing.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. Sermon on the Mount. One, it's This is one of the verses that's used in CRs, happy are the meek. And... Um it was recently described to me what meek meant in this like biblical context. It was um regardless of um uh unfortunate circumstances going on in your life, there's an inner peace and resolve that is steadfast because of that that work. So meek is, you know, you're, you you may be experiencing things on the outside, but inside your faith is deeply rooted right. and th- and that being Meek, and when you're talking about this this inside out transformational change, it no longer is about checking the box. I know a lot of I, I experienced this when I would get a 30 day chip, a 60 day, a 90 day, a 180, six months, uh, six months, nine months, one year, two year.
2: There's an 18 month, three
0: year. <laughs> now, I mean, I it's it's slowing down and and as that's changing i i like i need that next chip a little bit less i think that i don't know if that's the right illustration but i'm i'm like settling in for the long run you know
1: <laughs> well yeah it's no longer about the the prize of, of getting it's actually your what you're accomplishing and and, and who you're becoming and who you're becoming and, and that, that becoming now you are the what you're doing is just part of who you are who okay so
0: You're becoming so. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper. So, what what are some of those in, internal changes be you know th- th- that that happen with discipleship?
1: You brought up a great word, and it's so often misused, especially in the Beatitudes when it's taught. That, you know, the the, the meek, I mean, the meek will inherit. It, it, it is such a, a a wrong idea. We think and we use meekness, and we align it with, and we almost think it's exactly the same as, as weakness. It does rhyme. It rhymes. It rhymes great, it'd be great for a poem, but it's bad in, in, in what it means. The, the literal word has nothing to do with weakness. has mm. everything to do with strength. Mm. It's actually, you know, the root word there, the, the Greek word is talking about meekness is is Stability. It's like okay, I'm 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 okay where I am. I'm I'm I don't have to try to be mm. something I'm not. I don't have to work outside of it and I don't have to let my circumstances dictate that or destroy me. Mm. So it's like contentment. Absolutely would be one synonym absolutely. Yeah.
2: Wow. So so let's talk about um it's not completely clear to me if is there going to be like a I don't know. Questions. <laughs> We're so workbook centric, right? Like
1: <laughs> Well, I, I yeah, or it topics, does topics or Well, I think the way that it works um topically will be that it it's it will be connected to the church gatherings. Yeah. So the church gathering will you know, I often say that Sundays you go go get a shovel mm-hmm. and then take that shovel and then throughout the week dig into that passage, dig. And that's this is one opportunities. You don't have to be at church um to be everyone in the group or whoever many people meet together, just be two people. As long as one person has heard the message and takes the information, it'll be something pulled from the message yeah. to make you go, okay, this passage, and this is what we, we pulled from the passage. I do a sermon in a sentence. Mm-hmm. So I have one big idea out of, out of the passage. Take mm-hmm. that and go, okay, how do I apply it? How do I live this out? Those are things you can't get into on a Sunday.
2: Right, because there's there's no crosstalk.
1: <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it, 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 it it doesn't become real, it, it it can be absolutely inspirational. But if nothing is done with it, I mean, I say it, it, it you know, um, information without application is hallucination. <laughs> yeah. So you got to do something with it. And that this this is what you know. This is putting clothes on. This is putting feet on. It's like, okay. Hey, how does this work? How do I do this? Because that answering that question is is what becoming is all about. Well,
0: Pastor Pat, I mean. We'd like to get to know you as well. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey and your story. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> that's a long story. Um, I am perfectly broken. I have had a incredibly blessed and incredibly um, difficult journey. I am uh, one, I'm an identical twin. I was always compared. I never had my own identity. I grew up in the church. Uh, I was hurt by the church um, very dramatically. I left the church. I didn't want anything to do with church people, and I wandered for years just trying to find something, some purpose. And I met Francis Chan, and he introduced me to my Savior. And I knew all about Jesus. I knew all about I'd been. I'd been— mm-hmm educated i'd gone to to, i mean i had religion for eight years in school and i I knew about him but i didn't i had no relationship with him and when i met him and i learned about him um i I just wanted to know more And, and that triggered something inside of me i ended up at a men's retreat i ended up going back and getting my undergraduate degree and the first class i took was new testament And I Mm. I took it at Biola and I got to Matthew 19 the rich young ruler, the rich young man, whichever the title is in your, in your Bible. And I realized that, that, that story, you know, the, the word would be, I was enlightened. I Mm. I read that and went, Oh my gosh, this, this is me. I'm walking along thinking, Oh, look what, look what I have. I've earned, I've done, I've accomplished, but I didn't feel like I was anywhere and I didn't feel like I'd gotten anywhere, but I, I knew something was missing, but I still thought I had a lot. And, if he, Jesus had walked up to my door, and I mean, un, no doubt, donkey, gold robe, I mean, white robe, gold sash, flowing hair, and I would been like, okay. And he said, "Oh, Pat, come on, come on, come, come on. This is it's it's right now." I would have told him to wait. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got I got to stay. I got a wife. I got four kids. Mm-hmm. I got responsibilities. I got, I got a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll catch up. Don't but worry. But Pat, do you love me? <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. But just right. I'll catch up. Right, and I knew at that moment that wasn't what I was being called to. Right, and so that 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 wrecked me. That mm-hmm. just wrecked me, and I, I've been uh, on a pursuit ever since then to learn as much as I can, but to experience learning again. I want to experience Him. I don't. I want everyone I run into to to find and to understand and to learn and to to somehow some way to experience the love of Christ. There is nothing. When that happens, nothing is will ever be the same.
0: Okay. I, I wanna there's some really big themes here. Identity, identical twin hurt by the church, brought to Jesus by Francis Chan. You you had this moment at Biola where you got to Matthew nineteen and you read the story of the rich young ruler and you're like Oh wow, I'm really measuring my life by achievements, not by this relationship. And, Interesting that today we're talking about relation relational discipleship. Mm-hmm. That this is very much your process too. Absolutely. So you're 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 sharing what what Christ has done in Pastor Pat's life. Absolutely. Permission to go there is that you said you were hurt by the church. I know there's a lot of people that have been hurt by the church. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing like. Uh, maybe at a high level what that was but maybe there's someone out there that's been hurt too
1: yeah i, I was 16 years old uh, and I, I don't mind sharing it i've shared it a lot I, it i went to the, our parish priest who was the youth pastor and try, i'd been i'd done retreats he was very loving always was hu- hugging my dad was standoffish my dad never hugged me never told me he loved me and this this man filled that gap he was amazing um, and then he uh, he tried to molest me. He put me to a couch, and it was it was awful. And I I was old enough to stop it, but I, and I thought it was a non event. Uh, but it took twenty plus years to get that out of my system. Th-
0: thank you for being willing to share that. Um, yeah, I, thank you for being willing to share that. And and I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that have. Had molestation experiences. Um, I was sexually abused as a child, um, so I, I know just just how traumatic that can be, and especially in a in a church setting like this. It, you know, how did that make you feel? I hated the church. Mm-hmm.
1: I did, and I hated church people. And when I felt God calling me, I I thought it was the most ironic, comical. You've got to be kidding me.
0: Are you sure I'm the guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, you got the wrong.
1: And I, I'm. You yeah. realize
2: what your church did to me
1: for years. I, I, I think I told him you got the wrong guy for yeah. years. And it, and it's funny. Um, I spent a lot of the first years of ministry, and I, I think I still do this. I, I don't intentionally, but I, I don't want. I don't get confused walking into a room, and picked out as the pastor. Every now and then they're like, "Hey, are you the music guy?" Which I love that. <laughs> right. I'm like, "Yes, I wish, but no, no, I'm not. Yeah. I, I want to think I'm cool, but I, I don't got I'm that. I am the lead servant. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't got it, but I, I, I don't want to look like it because, to me, um, I, st- I still have that that groove that there was a, there was a look of church, a feel of church, and I've I've done everything in my life. Just not to be like that. The
2: anti-church, the yeah. anti-pastor.
1: Absolutely. So you were
0: one. More, one more last question, background question. So you you were introduced to Francis Chan, who you said actually helped you find a relationship with Christ. What was that? What was that story like?
1: I was dating my now wife, and this was twenty eight years ago, I guess, or so. And she invited me to church and I would have crawled the entire way across broken glass to be with this woman. I, she was so far <laughs> out of my league. Yeah. And I, I ended up driving out 80 some miles to uh, a little church. She said her, her sister and her brother in law were helping this youth pastor plant a church. And I went to a, a, a strip mall next to a Chuck E. Cheese with. <laughs> Folding chairs, maybe 50 folding chairs, a little stage. The drummer, I thought was going to fall off at one point. (laughs) And I I was a 225-pound bodybuilder, wrapped up in myself, thinking, you know, I had it. And and this small, you know, I'm politically correct, um, Asian man walked out. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not gonna relate. I don't This is not church. This guy? <laughs> yeah, this isn't church. It's not, right. I grew up I grew up in church. I, even though I don't like it, I, right. oh, this isn't church. And he started speaking and he was the first pastor that spoke to me mm-hmm. and not at me. Wow. And I just went there a few weeks with my my now wife. Um and we weren't it wasn't anything we could do regularly. We moved Back and forth, and 17 years later, I was a pastor on staff at a church, mm-hmm. and he came to teach at the worship conference. Wow. After his first book, and I'm like, "Look, I'm not this guy, but would you sign this?" And he goes, "Yeah, why?" And I gave I told him the story, so I got to share it with him, cool. and then he mentored me for about about six months before I planted the church that I am still pastor, and that's
0: Hope Hope Crossing. Hope Crossing. Wow, what a powerful testimony! Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's mine.
1: I'm sticking to it.
0: I know John's got some questions. <laughs>
2: well, I, a couple things. One, I think we should go back to Matthew 19 really quick for those who aren't familiar with the rich young ruler. If I remember correct, this is the dude who says, uh, what do I need to do to follow you? And Jesus says, sell everything, give every, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and follow me. And he's like, whoop, can't do that. Yeah,
1: he, he actually ran into, and he, we assume... Um, by the context that he was Jewish. He, he addressed Jesus as rabbi, and he said, hey, what do I need to do to earn eternal life? Now, that would have been the object and the goal for every Jewish person, particularly at that time. It, it hasn't changed, but at that time. And so when he met him, he's like he heard about him. He knew he was, he was th- this leader, and, and he obviously would know the way, and he asked him, and Jesus gave him six of the Ten Commandments, and that would be the last six, which after his relationship of with you know, people with other people. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm sure at that point, he's like, whoa, staff drop. I got this. nailed it, (laughs) right? I'm I'm in. I'm I'm going. And then Jesus turned and said, yeah, there's one more thing. Because Jesus knew his heart. He said, you got to take what you have and you got to sell it. And then give the money to the poor, which is like, hold on. I can't even like put in a bank and hold on to it in case it doesn't work out following you kind of thing. He's like, no, sell it. And he said, wow, it's too bad. Because look around. Everything you see, everything your eyes can see, it's mine. And he, it says he went away dejected, and that that word is is full of sadness. Mm. And
2: so the, the the money isn't necessarily literal, right? We he, Jesus isn't telling every single one of us to sell everything we own and follow him. He's telling us to remove anything that's getting in the way he was
0: the menshiest mensch he did all the mitzvahs you know yeah yeah <laughs> get rid of
1: it what he was saying is get rid of whatever's owning you yeah mm-hmm. had nothing to do with his stuff is it, it, it that young man realized and, and that question put him in a place where could you live without it and he said no i couldn't i can't live without this i have to have it and I don't care what you're offering me, whatever it is. Yeah. It's not bigger and better than this. And I think that is what we run into, as disciples trying to disciple and tell someone there's a way. And without brokenness, they're like, "Whoa, well, do, do you see what I drove? I drove here. Did you see what I've what I've got? <laughs> you have you, my bank account. Do you know? What I'm, do you have any idea how much I have? And, and you're offering, you no, know, I understand what you have, but there's there's more. And they're like, yeah, I. It's tough. This is the, probably the, 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 most barren soil to, to disciple and try to get people. Cause if we're not on, mm. and, and that's why I think the attraction model developed. Hey, look, we, look what we have. Look at the, look at the concert we put on. Look what we've got. You've got to come. This is the reason at some point somewhere. And it, and this is the scariest, saddest thing I'm going to say that Jesus stopped being enough. Mm. And when, when that happens, I mean, that, it, it it's it's not stuff. It's nothing to do with stuff. It's nothing to do with anything other than Jesus. I mean, that's peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. Paul tells us that that's what happens when we trust and when we start to become. And that's what discipleship's about. It's not about getting more Jesus stuff or getting more T-shirts or tattoos or t- more of the the Christian ease lifestyle. It's about really getting closer to Jesus.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I find for myself, I can often become this sort of checklist Christian where it's like similar to the, the rich young ruler, right? I mean, basically he was saying, yeah, I, I check these boxes and I feel like I check a lot of boxes all the time. You know, They always say... Show me your calendar and your bank account, and I'll tell you what your priorities are. Well, right?
0: John, you've been sober for nine years. Yeah. you've been to three thousand meetings. Yeah, you know.
2: <laughs> right, right, exactly. I go to a meeting every week. Four hundred church
0: services. I'm on a podcast. For, You're about doing recovery. a Christian podcast, aren't you? Doing it? Is right. this not it? <laughs> and and sometimes if it's that's that's what it is, right? It's like I'm
2: doing all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, but. I still don't have your heart wholeheartedly, right? Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And how often am I a half hearted seeker, even though I'm doing all this stuff? Look at
1: my calendar.
0: Then you say it's like what you're becoming, not what you're doing. Mm. Like we're human
1: beings, not human
0: doings, yeah, right? right?
1: Right. Super simple concept, super difficult to get. To get it inside. It's that toughest 12 inches or 18 inches. Yeah. And has to travel from your head to your heart. Yeah. It's, it really is. And we do, we're so caught up in, in doing, and, and that's what the world wants.
0: What are the challenges of, what are the challenges of taking on this kind of task of building a relational discipleship strategy for the new age? Not for the new age, like new age, but for like this it's current time. state of life that we're in.
1: Yeah. Well, if, Challenges. That's a great question. If right now the church is in decline, Mm -hmm. across the United States there is pockets of growth, but pockets of growth are, are, are not the church thriving. The church is thriving in areas where it's being... Um, horribly persecuted, it's uh, you know the Holy Spirit's active and alive, and and it's there's revival happening all over this globe, but the church in America is dying. It's dying because we put something else first, someone else first, and the the challenge is that it, it, it's not n- new. It's not flashy. It's not a. It's not a better. It's back to. It's look. This is just keep it basic. There's three basic things: Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. Everything else, no, nothing else matters. Everything else is just okay. Those are great ancillary. There's a lot of stuff you can add. A lot of things you can do. And I think that the challenge is that it's it's not big. It's not glamorous. It's not trying to, to build popularity. It's not about anything other than discipling. So in his basic. Just foundational form. It's finding somebody who wants to have a relationship with Jesus. And I think the word you know, that I would not substitute with relationship, but is use ancillary is experience. Because it's it's the experience that's gonna change you you can have all everything in the world i have met people that have they make more money in an hour than i've made in my life i've met some amazing people who have come to me looking for something i've met people who've done things to their bodies and changed themselves dramatically physically to try to be someone they think they need to be and when they get this accomplished and they they're going to be there and they've come and and, and sat with me broken because they still haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a great theologian you too Bonowood said, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> right. It's so funny, but that echoes with everyone pursuing anything temporary. Anything that doesn't last. And so it's it's just it doesn't work if it's if it's looked at as a popularity contest. Of, okay, this is going to be the next greatest thing. This is going to be the thing. It has to just take on One person telling one person and just going, Hey, I I want a relationship with you because I care. I want to share what makes, you know, what is so important to me that it changed everything in my life. It didn't make me better looking. It didn't give me a full head of hair. I don't have the best car. I didn't have a bigger house. I didn't fix my marriage. None none of that happened first in order for me to become this. Mm -hmm. What happened first is I met this guy named Jesus. And he just asked, he just asked me, you know, who do you say that I am? And, and that, when, when he asked that to, to Peter, and Peter said, well, you're Christ, the Messiah. Said, who who told you that? And, and Peter said, well, uh, you know, kind of, I'm sure he was going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but Jesus said, you don't, you, no one told you, but my Heavenly Father spoke to your heart. And that's how you know. And that's an experience. And that's what changes everything. It's perspective. My world didn't change. How I see it changed mm-hmm. and how I continue to see it. And that's something that, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, it doesn't mean you're better or perfect or less of a sinner because I'm, I'm I'll, I'll go with Paul. I'm the biggest sinner of them all. You know, I'm driving over here and I can't tell you, you know, I haven't been driving in California regularly in, in nine months. So I'm driving down here and I'm, borrowed a car and I'm telling you I must have seen at least a dozen times that people I'm like what is wrong with you how can you drive like and I'm challenging them not knowing who they are not knowing where they are not knowing what they're going through and I'm like oh god I'm sorry and I you, I can do that catch myself once a day doing that but I was the whole way here and I'm like wow you got some work to do so it's just it's a process and it's it's not a destination Southern California freeways
2: definitely bring out our real character <laughs>
1: Do you think that all of
2: this boils down to learning to love like Jesus does? And and the only way I can do that is feeling his love so that I can reflect his love. And then looking at how he lived and what he taught to help me understand what's loving and what's not.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. That's great, John. If you, if I could give you know one word to sum summarize the entirety of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, one word and not be Jesus, it would be love. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a powerful word. That every year we have a, a word for our church, and this year it's just love. And it, it's oversimplified, overused, right. but it is not. We're not even touching the love that that God has for us. I mean, the, just the gift of jesus alone cements it but to, to look at and, and then look at how he lived to try to emulate like wow what does loving look like I, I don't know when you know someone does something to me i mean i i fail in traffic yeah. let alone trying to think about what someone if they actually do something and, and they come at me or say something or, or something i hear about what it does and my automatic response is man if you it's not loving
2: yeah and and jesus tells us to love our enemies like i have a hard enough time loving the people i'm supposed to love (laughs) (laughs) right absolutely Let, let alone loving my enemies yeah and i think you touched on it in english the word love is really watered down yeah right because you know i love ice cream and chocolate uh i love my dog i love my car uh, and I love my wife, all with the same word.
1: Right, and we have made it very subjective to context and and personal. My own, how I am using it is how it what it means. And I think I think love is so much more of a verb than it is a descriptor. Mm. And, and one thing I know it's not biblically; it's not a feeling.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's what we've ascribed it to is it's a feeling. And all the things you described when you you just say, well, I, their level of feelings of love about those things. And right. That's, that's I think it's an inappropriate you know, definition of love.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, we've gotten to that time in our show where we do an open share. So what an open share is, Pastor Pat, this is a very special challenge (laughs) where you get to say whatever you want for like a minute. Each one of us is going to have an open share. I think we need to focus on this topic of love and whatever just flows from the heart for a minute, whatever's going on in our lives, John usually opens us up.
2: Okay. Hey, you guys. My name is John. I'm a follower of Jesus. I am in recovery for sex addiction. I struggle with
0: lust. Hey, John. Hey,
1: John. Hey, you
2: guys. Oh, man. Wow. Love. Well, I feel like I need to figure out how to better fill up on the love that Jesus has for me accept that love embrace that love lean into that love so that i'm better equipped to give that out you know that <clears throat> um Corey from from my friday group one of the things he says is you're responsible for the energy you're bringing into this room <clears throat> and when i'm when i'm at my best and i pull into the driveway i remember that because so often i've filled up on exhaustion and stress and maybe road rage is a little excessive but frustration on the road and and that's what I carry into the house instead of gratitude and love and you know if I could just sit there for a second and just go (laughs) Jesus loves me so much he got me here safely he protected me all the way He got me through this day, and now I'm about to spend time with my family, and and I want to reflect his love to them, not my frustration and my anger and my um, unmet expectations and whatever else that I could carry in that just automatically sets me up for relational failure with whoever's in the house, and mostly that's going to be my wife. So tonight I'm going to really try to be intentional about this and I'm going to think about the love that he has for me. You know, (laughs) I, I, I've shared this before and and I need to like really think about it more often because I go, okay, I I know how much I love my kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like this indescribable feeling of overwhelm and I I, I would do anything for them. and, And I just, You know, I couldn't imagine my life without them. I I take that and say, Jesus loves me more than that. And if I can lean into that and accept that and and really truly believe that, then I should be able to love like he does to everyone else. Thanks, guys. I'm John.
0: John. Hey, guys. I'm Chris, grateful follower of Jesus Christ in recovery for alcohol, sex, porn, money, codependency, etc. Hey, Chris. Um... Someone came into um, the studio here and wrote a quote that says, as you dissolve into love, the ego fades. You're not thinking about loving. You're just being love radiating like the sun um, from a gentleman named Ram Das. And um, when I think about like how love is in my life like the 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 the, when I use the word love the most is when like at the end of any conversation with my wife even if it's four seconds it's like I love you okay I love you too like the conversation is not complete unless that little transaction happens it feels incomplete if I walk out the door without saying that it's like I gotta actually turn around and go back in and make sure that happens just in case that's the last time I ever see her Mm -hmm. so it's like this little transaction But then I just had this sort of epiphany when you were talking about love, Pastor Pat, is that Jesus is whispering, I love you to me 24-7. And, like, I very rarely say, I love you too, Mm -hmm. ever. It's like I'm, like, very much so taking this for granted. And, like, the love is not, I'm not, sometimes I don't even believe the love. And I'm definitely not, like, I love you too. And, like, allowing that to just settle um okay that's all i got thanks right. guys thanks chris
1: <laughs> and my name is pastor pat and i am in recovery for pride
0: hey, hey pat, pat. Like,
1: you know i um i deal with this i think um i wanted to know and experience the love of jesus and i think you made such a great point that it's it's taken for granted I, I know it mm-hmm. and, and he's he's he is got his love scripture tells us we know he's all loving all power all of that so he doesn't need my love. Mm. So I can very easily excuse well I mean what am I doing it for? What am I loving for? And and loving others like Jesus loved me would show others the love that, that what love looks like. Mm. And I think that's the, the dilemma. I, I truly want to be a, a to be known not for what I've done but for how i've loved. Mm-hmm. And if i could if i could love like that and and, it, and take cuz we every John gosh driving home getting i know that my head wants to tell me that i deserve because i think i'm good i've done right i deserve a certain type of love and an amount of love from whoever's in my life. And i think that immediately trips me up from seeing anything beyond what i believe i think i need. And so my, my goal is to try to, to not be a doormat, not be so you know just beat me up, but truly to be, however, whatever what it is, it is. I don't I'm, I can't deal with it and and it change my circumstances around around me. But what I can do is I I can love where I am, and that means I can love who I am. I can love those around me where I am, and and I can get past what I think I deserve because you know Jesus did it. Once for all, I don't. Have, he doesn't have to do anything to me or for me right now to prove he loves me. He already did, mm-hmm. and right there should be enough. And trying to get my head around that on a daily basis is where I land and where I'm trying to stay. I'm Pat. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pat. Pat.
0: Yeah. Before we close our session in prayer today, how can people follow what you're doing at Hope Crossing Community Church? Get in touch with
1: you. Um, learn more about the relational
0: discipleship strategy, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, everything is I, I'm Facebook. You can go to Pastor Pat Geraldin, um or you can go to Hope Crossing Church on Facebook and look me up and I respond. Hit me, connect me. Um you can get a hold of this podcast and John, John can get a hold of me probably faster than most people can. <laughs> and uh I would I'll answer any question the best that I can and I'll try to be available as often as I can.
0: I just wanted to make you uncomfortable by asking you to self-promote a little bit.
1: (laughs) You see how it did. Absolutely. I I got none of that in me, but feel free. (laughs) Reach out to someone else to get to me. (laughs) John?
2: You know, while Pat was sharing, I was just thinking about with love, I can't give it away if I don't have it myself, right? We can't give anything that we don't have. And so if I'm not filling up on his love, which I kind of alluded into my share, sometimes I'm not, how am I supposed to expect to be able to give it away? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I think the, the, the components of our recovery lifestyle are so important, right? Because in every single one of them, I feel loved, mm-hmm. right? When I go to meetings, there's a lot of love. When I I go to church, I'm learning about Jesus, so that that's loving. When I spend quiet time, I'm 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 reading devotionals, I'm reading directly from the Word, I'm I'm feeling love, and then obviously when I'm serving, that is loving, right? I'm 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 putting someone ahead of myself. So I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just rambling, but (laughs) I, I think I think I'm I'm equating the recovery lifestyle with being loving.
1: I think it's true, and I, I think the one thing we have to be careful of, and and it doesn't just because you do something for someone else doesn't mean it's loving. Mm. Everything is wrapped around motive. Yeah. yeah. If we have a motive, and that's what I was try, kind of trying to get to, that if I'm thinking like, okay, I'll do that because I know if I do that, I'll get. And believe me, I've spent a lot of years treating my wife in in a way that 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 she i that she owes me. Yeah. And that 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 is just that's just bad from the start. And and yeah. no one, I mean, if you think about it, if Jesus already accomplished that which we need, and we've been loved enough, then we need to to love enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
2: that's It stops being love and starts being manipulation. Right. Yeah.
0: Want to pray us out, John?
2: Yeah, I do. Oh man, thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father. Just appreciate this time together, uh, the ability to get to know Pastor Pat and hear some of his story. <clears throat> excuse me, and just talk about this concept of love. And you are love, uh, and, and 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 you love us. <clears throat> see, I'm getting choked up. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, and, and I just ask, Father, that you help us lean into your love so that we fill up, so much so that we're overflowing, so that when we interact with people, wh- what they see is different. Because they see us caring and loving and having compassion and kindness and patience and gentleness and being full of self-control, all of the fruit of the Spirit, so that <clears throat> that when we model our behavior, people see it and they say, I want some of that. And then when they ask us about it, we can tell them about Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.